Don't we have an awesome worship arts team at North and South Campus? Let's give them another hand. Thanking the Lord for their gifts and talents. I hope that you recognize how blessed we are as a church. There's not many churches that have the depth and resources of of people who give of themselves week in and week out like Grace Point. And uh, I'm not trying to draw attention to them, but I'm trying to draw attention to what God has blessed us with. And we need to be thankful. Amen? Amen. I want you to grab your Bibles and turn with me to Exodus 20. After a morning like this morning, if you were not with us this morning, you may have been worshiping at another location, you may have been out of town coming back in, we had a tremendous day and just basking in the presence of God. Testimonies of God's truth that's been real to us and it's been proven to us o'er and o'er as we sing about tonight. You know, when we have those intimate moments with the Lord, as Pastor Edgar was sharing It often costs us something. God speaks to us, and and He requires obedience from us. As we've been walking through this series on the Ten Commandments, Moses went up to the mountain and met with God Himself. As God spoke to him, the finger of God wrote in these tablets and gave them the, the Ten Commandments, and it required and it called forth obedience to what God had said. It was birthed out of this intimate meeting or gathering with God. And I believe a day like today is no different. That when we've experienced the intimacy with the Lord, He also, easy for me to say, He also wants us to have those moments where we hear from Him clearly and He expects obedience from us. As we're walking through these Ten Commandments, it's not just a call to know the Ten Commandments, but it's a call to live the Ten Commandments. It's hard to live them if we don't know them. So let's try. Those of you who remember through some memory clutches, maybe you have it memorized by rote. I'm not sure how, but let's see if we can walk through the Ten Commandments. The first commandment is what? Anybody remember? You shall have no other gods before me. The second commandment is you shall not worship idols. The third commandment, do not use the Lord's name in vain. I think we got it. We may need to go through this again. The fourth commandment is remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. The fifth is honor your mother and father. The sixth is you shall not murder. Seven, you shall not commit adultery. Eight, you shall not steal. Nine, you shall not lie. Ten, you shall not covet. You can tell which translation that you first memorized those in and how you say them. It's hard to break free from the language that you memorize as a young child, and that's a whole other sermon on things we need to be careful of, what we memorize at certain ages. But we're on the third commandment tonight, and that third commandment is, you shall not use the Lord's name in vain, or do not misuse the name of the Lord, as some translations put it. Sometimes we look at these Ten Commandments and we think that they were written a long time ago and there's some good basic guiding principles, but it may not really be up to date and something that affects us in everyday life. I mean, some of them seem to be big and others we think, how did this make the top ten? I think the third commandment is one that often people say, well, what's the big deal with some words that I say out of my mouth? We'll see that God has a lot to say about this third commandment. Exodus 20, verse 7. Look at it in your Bibles with me. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless 
who misuses his name. Now, most of us, we, we may have learned this in thou shall not take the Lord's name in vain. And we may attribute it to swear words that use God and Jesus in a way that's not glorifying to him. But I think there's a broader principle that God wants to speak to us tonight if we were to live the ten, to live this third commandment out. You see, at the heart of it, it's saying what we say really matters. Well, what comes out of our mouth has value, and there is a real difference that our words can make. This commandment, it's like taking a, a legal stance. Now, this is talking about taking the Lord's name in vain, but for a moment I want to shift and look at other passages of Scripture that talk about what we say and how important it is on what we promise, what we say, what we speak out of our mouth. Just like a legal stance, our words is like taking an oath. As in a courtroom, we see people put their hand on the Bible and they swear, they promise to tell the whole truth and nothing but the truth. In the Old Testament, there was a swearing, making an oath, a hand on a thigh or, or a hand to God, promising that what they vow between one another will be absolutely binding. This legal stance and what we say kind of reminds me of some companies today. A guarantee in a company is only as good as their word. Companies like L.L. Bean or Craftsman Tools, they've made them a name for themselves by saying, you can bring it back, no questions asked, no matter how long you've owned it. You get a pair of boots from L.L. Bean, the company based in Maine, and, and you can say, you know what, they didn't last as long as I thought, the, the stitching didn't hold, you can ship them back, and they will get you a new pair, and they have made a name for themselves on just standing behind their word and their guarantee. Craftman Tools have done the same. I was standing in the L.O. Bean headquarters, and I went up to one of the managers. I said, how in the world can you make good on this? Don't people take advantage of you? Without skipping a beat, the sales manager said, well, obviously, people take advantage of us. But what does that have to do with us making good on our word? I thought, wow, that, that's, a, that's a pretty good sermon. You know, is, is our speech or the things that we say, is it as binding, can you count on it as much as you can count on a pair of boots from L.L. Bean? As much as you can count on a tool from Craftsman's Tools? You see, our words should be like that. A guarantee that we speak should, should mean something. We find that all throughout Scripture, it talks about our word needing to have value. In Exodus 22, verse 10 through 11, don't turn there. In your outline, you can see a paraphrase of that, or you may want to mark it for future reading. It says some things to us that may seem strange at first glance. If someone gives a donkey or an ox or a lamb of any kind of an animal to another for safekeeping, and it dies or is injured or lost, and there is no witness... An oath before God must be made between them to decide whether one has laid hands on the property of another. It's instructions to say that when you are, are making a, a promise and you make it before God, it should have value. It should mean something. What comes out of your mouth has value. He was binding himself to another person by the name of God. He was saying, what I am promising, I will make true by the very name of God. Romans 1.9, we see Paul is saying, God, whom I serve with my whole heart in preaching the gospel of his son. God is my witness, 
how constantly I remember you. Paul himself in his prayers, he makes reference to God being his witness and, and he makes a promise and he says, by God's own witness, what I'm saying is true to you. He does this in Second Corinthians and Galatians. Ephesians six thirteen. God himself makes an, an oath. You can see that written there for you. As a matter of fact, in the Old Testament, God's name had value. And when people were going to try to make good on the words they said, they often would attach God's name to their words to say there is value. When when you would speak the name of God, it was so reverent that they wouldn't speak it but once a year. The name Jehovah was, was mentioned only on the Day of Atonement and only by the high priest. See, what we say matters, and the name of God really matters. And we need to look at what this third commandment is possibly saying to you and I today. See, we honor him when we respect his name. If you're taking notes, write that down. That's the first blank you have there. We honor him when we respect his name. Wrong wrong conduct springs up from wrong feelings about God. When I don't respect God, when I don't hold him in the place that he is to be held, wrong conduct can come from that. Proverbs 14.2 says, He that is perverse in his ways, despiseth him. It's a lack of reverence for God that leads to perverse ways. The wrongdoer has no respect for God. He ignores him as much as he possibly can. You see, if, if we would look at the name of God, how we respond to it, how we honor it, can talk about our own actions. What we say matters. How we refer to God actually matters. Names were very important in the Old Testament. The name of God was as important as well. Just as biblical names were symbols of of who that person was and what they were all about, God's name gives us ideas of who he is. El Shaddai, the strong one. Jehovah Jireh, God the provider. Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. In fact, Yahweh occurs over 6,000 times, nearly 7,000 times throughout the Old Testament. And his name is referred with reverence and respect. When we honor him, we are respecting his name. And names are, are still important to us today, though we don't emphasize them as much as they did in the Old Testament. Your name is important. People identify something with your name. In fact, I can mention some names to you today that are public figures that you may have some thoughts that come to your mind as you think of these names. You may have a different reaction, but no doubt their name strikes some kind of thought, some kind of feeling within you. When you hear a name, like Hillary Clinton, you may have a thought. When you hear a name like Billy Graham, you may have a thought. Coach Tressel of Ohio State, you may have a thought that comes to your mind. President Obama, you may have a thought that comes to your mind. James Dobson, you may have a thought that comes to your mind, good or bad or indifferent or whatever it may be. Just the mention of a name strikes up some kind of thought, some kind of memory, some kind of idea by their very name. Charles Manson. You hear a name and you can associate, you can think something with it. I'm not telling you what to think about it. I'm just proving the fact that when we hear a name, there is baggage that comes with it. There is things that are attached to it. The same is true with the names throughout Scripture and even our names today. 
fact, many of the people here today, you have a name that is referenced in Scripture. There are biblical names here today of Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, David, Anna, Mary, Genesis. I just want to see if you're listening. I don't know anybody named Genesis here. Anybody named Genesis here? Okay. It's interesting that we don't have many Jezebels in our church. We don't have many Lucifers in our church. You see, our our names identify us with something. What does using God's name conjure up with us? What do we identify when we say the name of the Lord, God the Father, Jesus the Son? When we say his name, there should be something attached to it. And how we speak his name matters. The third commandment tells us we should not misuse the name of the Lord. See, what does using God's name in vain do? Look at number two on your outline. It shows disrespect for his name. When we use his name inappropriately, we are disrespecting his name. Now, many could never imagine disrespecting the name of their mother. If you grew up in a home like mine, these things would not even be possible to come out of your mouth. To refer to mom as old lady would not get me very far growing up. To talk about mom as, hey, chick, over there, would get me a swift kick somewhere in the pants, and and it would have consequences. And and I couldn't even dream of referring to my mother that way. And, And for many of us, that seems common sense. But our culture, even though that would be common to have some kind of respect for mom, some kind of names that we would not be able to say, it appears that we can say whatever we want to about the creator of the universe. We can refer to him in in whatever casual slang that comes to our mind. God's name has a deep spiritual significance. and, And those that we love, we respect their name. So treating it as if it's worthless is profane. In the truest sense of the word, profanity, something that is profane, is is to take God's name and make it worthless. To ascribe nothingness to the almighty, all-powerful, who's the name above all names. In other words, treating God's name as common, ordinary, speaking about him carelessly, thoughtlessly, even flippantly, as if he didn't matter, as if he didn't exist, in my opinion, is the very definition of what profane is. Profanity is everywhere. It's in the workplace, it's in schools, it's it's where you go shopping, it's on television, it's on the radio, and and we have to make sure that we don't allow this to become, well, that's, that's just part of society. And they just don't know better. And I'm not saying you go out and and you start trying to set the world straight at every turn with no compassion and love. But friends, this is a part of the ten. And if we were to live the ten, it should, it should not sit well with us. It should make us cringe. And when we hear the name of the Lord taken in vain and, and, and treated as if it's worthless, something should, should strike as conflict in our heart. Woe to us who have become comfortable in, in ascribing flippantly adjectives to God's name without really thinking of the consequence. Woe to us who have allowed God's name to be taken in vain around us and and we don't even hear it anymore. It's just another word. It's just another phrase. God's word says, be careful. There are consequences if we don't live the ten. Obedience is a shield we talked about this morning. This is not just about a God with a lightning bolt waiting for you to say the wrong thing, to zap you. 
God says, when you misuse my name, you lose the awe and reverence for who I am. You lose the power that is in my name. Even the demons don't use the name of Jesus in vain. They know, they tremble at the sound of his name. They know the power that comes in his name. And when we allow ourselves to be so deluded and not even think about the power of the name of God, the name of Jesus, we miss all the power that God wants to give to us when we appropriately use his name, when we appropriately hear his calling card, his tag of who he is. What is profanity? It means to debase, defile, which is holy, which is worthy of reverence. It's taking God's name and bringing it down to the gutter where our conversation sometimes is or those around us appears to be. You know, it's sad when we understand that Satan himself can honor God's name even more than we do. So, well, what does God do with those who take his name in vain? Now, if you thought the Bible was boring and there was no action, there was no swift anything in Scripture, you haven't read Acts 19. Take your Bible and turn with me to Acts chapter 19. Acts chapter 19, verse 13. Some Jews who went around driving out evil spirits tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon-possessed. They would say, in the name of Jesus, who Paul preaches, I command you to come out. That's talking about these seven sons who apparently didn't have a relationship with Jesus, and they were not speaking out of, a, out of a love for Jesus. They were misusing, they were forging the name of Jesus as if they were a follower of him. And look at verse 15. One day, the evil spirit answered them, Jesus, I know. And I know about Paul, but who are you? The demons asked. Then the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them and overpowered them all. He gave them such a beating that they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. When this became known to the Jews and Greeks living in Ephesus, they were all seized with fear. And the name of the Lord Jesus was held in high honor. That would do it. That, that, would, that would teach you that the name of the Lord is important and how we use it and how we associate ourselves with it. When you see those around you who misuse the name of God, twist it, try to associate themselves with them but not living in obedience themselves, get a beating from the enemy and they run out naked. I confess I've seen a lot of things, but I haven't seen that happen. I think that may wake up my family. It may wake up my house. And here's what it says. Verse 18, many of those who believed now came and openly confessed their evil deeds. A number who practiced sorcery brought their scrolls together and burned them publicly. When they saw the consequences of misusing the name of Jesus, falsely associating themselves with Jesus and not living for him, it brought consequences and it brought repentance and it brought judgment you see these seven young men were humbled they were shown for who they really were great repentance came and god moved God's name was profaned, his name was used in vain, and he chose to allow the demons to bring judgment to those who weren't associated with him, weren't associated with Paul, but they stood out in their own reckless behavior of misusing Jesus' name. What does using God's name in vain do? Look at number three. It makes known our hypocrisy or our double standard. When we misuse the name of the Lord, it exposes hypocrisy and a double standard. Matthew 5, 33 and 37 gives us words like this. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. 
in Jesus' very words. See, God expects us to keep our promise. And, and so what was happening here, we see that even in James 5, people were beginning to misuse the name of the Lord. Now, even Paul would make a promise and say, as God is my witness. And so the, the scripture is not saying you should never make a promise to the Lord. But to, to try to use God's name flippantly to add weight to your own word that you never stand behind is clearly misusing the name of the Lord. Jesus wasn't prohibiting all oaths. He was addressing this perception that the Pharisees would have. And they would make a promise, and their word was so flimsy, and they would be the epitome of crossing their fingers and putting it behind their back. Of course I will help you tomorrow. I didn't say in the name of the Lord. And their word was so flimsy, unless somebody heard them say, do you swear by God? And Jesus is saying, don't do this. Don't use Jesus, don't use the name of God as an excuse by when you really mean what it is you say. If you won't even hold to your own word, don't try to manipulate God's name to give you some credibility for your own flimsy word that you have. You see, if we hear this, it is a call not to swear using God's name and Jesus' name, but it's broader than that. Any way that we misuse the name of Jesus is dangerous for us, and it's not leading us down the path that God wants us to hang on to. There is power in Jesus' name, and we should not treat it lightly. What we say matters. How many times do we promise to God in a jam, God, if you get me out of this jam, I will never, ever do X, Y, Z again. Lo and behold, something happens, whether God delivers you or it's happenstance, you're out of that jam and you completely forget what you promised God. You lay in a hospital bed sick and you say, God, if you'll make me well, I will, I will keep going to church, I will keep reading my Bible, I will never ever do that secret sin again. And, and something happens, either God touches you or, or by happenstance you get better and, and the promise you made to God is, is far from your mind. We're at camp, and it's the last night of camp, and everybody's crying, and it's exciting, and we say, God, if you save me now, I'll never, ever go back and do that again at school. But yet when the next season comes up, the next semester, we find ourselves in the same situation again. And I believe this third commandment is speaking to that. Don't call on the name of the Lord in vain. And don't just go running to Daddy when you want something, and you say, oh, your name is wonderful, but then when I walk away, I don't even want to have anything to do with your name. We're misusing his name. Some of us, maybe unintentionally, we need to look at how flippantly we, we even pray things in Jesus' name with very little concern if it's his will at all. If we're honest, sometimes what we pray and we attach in the name of Jesus, we haven't even stopped to ask and say, God, is this what you even want? The reverence for the name of God is important. See, we don't want Jesus' will as much as our own sometimes. And we've picked up, rightly so, that when we pray in the name of Jesus, there's power in that. And, and so it may not be that far of a stretch from the seven sons in Acts who want to attach Jesus' name on the end of our own wish list. What would it be like for us to honor the name of God? What does using God's name in vain do? Number four, look at this. It reveals our heart. Matthew fifteen eighteen says, But the things that come out of the mouth come from the heart. What's another way we can respect the Lord's name? By watching our language. 
Now, this is the one that we often think about when we think about the third commandment. You should not take the Lord's name in vain. You should not misuse the name of the Lord. We think about a swear word or a cuss word, and and that should not be a part of the vocabulary of a follower of Christ. And this is absolutely true. We need to be careful about this. Well, pastor, isn't that legalistic? It's just words. God understands. God loves me. He does love you. He does understand. And because he loves you and because he understands how powerful our words are, when we begin to flippantly refer to him and we don't even see who it is we're talking about, and it's a phrase, we miss what he wants to do in our life. And he says, stop. So the God who loves us in moments of intimacy, like this morning, like this day, who says, hey, come close. Let me give you some truth. Live by this truth so you can have protection in me. I don't want you to lose sight of who I am, of how powerful even the description of my character is. It has value. It has power in your life. Don't misuse it. When I was a youth pastor, this was a very common question. Well, it's just a word. It's just something that I say by accident. I don't even think about it. How can, how can this be an issue? Out of the own mouth of a student who I'd care for, I'd say, well, that is the issue. That we just see Jesus or God as just another word that doesn't really matter. Because God wants to unveil to us the power that is in our hands, our vocabulary, when we call on the name of the Lord. He has heard our cry. We sing about it tonight. I called and he heard me. I referenced the King of kings and the Lord of lords and he heard my cry. When we understand who he is, it changes how we refer to him, how we relate to him. In essence, it tends to mock his authority and rejects God in every way. In other words, speaking the language of the world, just referring to God as some kind of word that we declare when we smash our thumb with the hammer. It's reflecting a blasphemous view of who God is. We are called to be different, church. So how do we apply this? You and I need to defend the Lord at all times. And this doesn't mean that you go out and you are trying to be the lifestyle police or the vocabulary police of those who don't trust in Jesus. But friends, there is a line. I'm not sure what it is for you. There is a time that we, can, we need to just stop and stop hiding by the name of evangelism. And we need to say, you know what? <laughs> the guy you keep uh, yelling about, I really like him. In fact, I yell out to him all the time. Maybe not the way you do, but he answers me when I call. Well, that sounds so churchy. That sounds so weird, Pastor. I wouldn't say that. You don't know the people I work with. Hey, I'm not telling you to tell them to turn or burn, but does it offend you at all? I'm not offensive because they're saying things that that you don't like, but offensive because of the power that is there available to you you want them to feel. Is there anything that riles us up about misusing who God is in his reference? Many times we find ourselves in circumstances with family members, with neighbors, with co-workers, where we may be able to speak our relationship with the very God and Jesus that they flippantly refer to in a loving and kind way to say, you know what? I believe he exists. I like to play golf every now and then, though I have not picked up a golf club in 14 months, so it doesn't prove very true. And uh, one of my favorite things to do is to go get paired up with uh, a group of three guys. I have no idea who they are. It's a good way for me to get to know some strangers, and, and inevitably it happens every single time. We'll start out on the first tee, and we'll get playing, and 
and life happens on the golf course and you respond a certain way and we get to the third and the fourth and the fifth and the sixth hole and around the seventh hole they ask me, well, what do you do for a living? And I say, well, I'm a pastor and all of a sudden guilt comes all over their face. They're just replaying in their mind the last six or seven holes and the expletives they'd used for how they were playing. And they said, oh, I, I, I didn't mean to say that. I shouldn't have, have talked that way. And I said, you know, that's okay. I think God understands. In fact, by the way you're playing, I think he's getting back at you. <laughs> and just having fun and talking with someone. But even in their own understanding, they say, there's something about this that maybe shouldn't happen. Now, I don't expect someone who doesn't trust in God and doesn't follow God to have this deep reverence for him. But sometimes even the world has has a better idea of how offensive it can be when they find out what we should be and what title is attached to us. It's amazing the things that people confess to me when they find out I'm a pastor. That 10th and 11th and 12th hole, they're telling me about every Sunday school lesson they heard as a kid. And I'm saying, it's okay, I'm not your priest. You don't have to tell me everything. But there's something working inside of them knowing that maybe I should have a different view or vocabulary about God. There's another area of this I think that we need to be aware of as Christians. Again, I'm not trying to be legalistic. I'm not trying to get you to see that God is lording a set of rules over you. This is protection. This is love for you. It's what I call the Christian cuss words. Most of us would not refer to God in in a cursing way. We would expunge from our vocabulary saying, oh my God, in a way that's not a prayer. We would say, I don't want to do that. Or calling out the name of Jesus in a way that's not a prayer and not some kind of thanksgiving, but yet it comes across our lips all the time. Good Lord. Oh my gosh. Jeez. Now I'm not trying to beat you up or trying to be legalistic with you, but let's be honest. If we're going to adjust our vocabulary so we don't take the name of the Lord in vain, let's not pick the next closest nickname to try to do the same thing without saying those same words. Now, you just allow God to speak to you, not me. If you don't like what I'm saying, that's fine. You just read Exodus 20, verse 7, and you and God deal with it. But what I'm saying is, this is not some kind of rule that God is throwing at you saying, if you say, gosh, you're going to hell. He's saying, if you don't have reverence for the very power of my name, when the time comes, when you call on me, will you even know how powerful my name is? The flippant vocabulary we use is indicative of the culture that is embedded in our very thoughts and training in this world, we need to flee from that and say, I want the power of the name of God to be real in my life. Now, technically, this could be acceptable in the world view. But in my heart, am I trying to get as close to I can to having some kind of way to speak the same curse that those who don't trust in God would speak? I've had a friend who has come to me This was about six or seven years ago, and said, Brady, I've done everything I can to try to stop saying these words that I believe that God doesn't want me to say. But it's habit. I heard it my whole life. It's ingrained in me, and and I don't know how to handle it. I shared with that friend, and I've shared with hundreds of others since then, here is a foolproof way that works every single time. Without exception, I've not found a person this didn't work with. If you find yourself using a vocabulary word that you don't want to use and you don't think it's becoming of a follower of Christ, as soon as you say that word, as soon as you take the Lord's name in vain, you stop in your mind, you ask Jesus to forgive you. 
And every single person who is in earshot of you who heard you say that, you ask them for forgiveness. I don't care if you're in line at Kroger. You're there with the checkout lady, you just say, you know what, I'm sorry. I just asked God to forgive me. That's not the way I want to talk. I want to ask you to forgive me. I promise you her jaw will drop. Uh, Do you want to scan your plus card or what? uh... You see, even in our own confession, God will allow us to be a witness when you can say, you know what? That's not what I want to do. That's kind of embarrassing. And if you make a pact with yourself that every time God convicts you, you respond that way, whoever's in earshot, and often it comes when you're angry. And the, the worst thing you can do when you're angry is stop and humble yourself and ask the person for forgiveness who you're fighting with. But if you stop and you do that, the Lord will cleanse that from your vocabulary. The next time you're ready to get that out, you go, I'm not so sure I want to apologize to the guys on the basketball court. I'm not so sure that I want to go there with the person at Long John Silver's. I'm not so sure I want to go there with the boss at work. And and you begin to stop and you say, God, would you cleanse that from me? And it's not just cleaning up vocabulary, but it's saying, God, it's serious to you. So therefore, it's going to be serious to me how I refer to you. Not because you're a cosmic killjoy who is having fun with us trying to pick and choose words that we can't use to try to play some cosmic joke on us. But no, he wants us. To freely call on his name and understand the power of his name and not lose the reverence for who he is in our life. What does using the Lord's name in vain do? Number five, it prevents his holiness to be real in our life. Titus 1.16 says, Such persons claim to know God, but from seeing the way they act, one knows that they don't. The word in vain means empty. Our common speech, we often violate this commandment because we see this profane use of his name. And we use empty words around his name. And sometimes this is where we can miss the reverence of God. Now again, hear my heart, I'm not trying to put a bunch of rules on you, but I believe God, when in his intimacy with him, wants us to respect who he is. Friends, there's times that I think we we miss it. I remember going on a missions trip, and I felt one of the first times the Lord put his thumb on my back. And if you've said this, I'm not pointing you out. I'm pointing me out. And I went on a missions trip to Mexico, and we were on the best hotel in that city in Mexico, and it was anything but really rough. And I came back, and they said, Pastor Brady, you've been gone for a while. What have you been doing? I said, I've been suffering for Jesus, praise God. And and I don't think there's anything wrong necessarily, but the Lord convicted my heart and said, are you really praising me? Are you making fun of the times that I may call you to suffer for me? That's what he said to me. He may not say that to you. But it caused me to stop and think, wait a minute. It was a quick and cheap and easy laugh that I went for, and God was saying, maybe there's a better way to get that. When, When we say things like, praise God, Peyton Manning did good this week. Now, maybe you are praising God for what you saw in Peyton Manning, and that may be fine. But when I flippantly refer to something and I have no intention of praising God, are you catching the drift here? It's not about a certain sequence of words that you can't say. You could praise God for seeing Peyton Manning's witness. You could praise God for how God used him. You could praise God for some good that came out of it. I'm not saying you could never ever have a sentence where that would work. But when we say praise God and we mean anything other than praise God, I believe God says, why would you dilute something that is so powerful? I inhabit Habit the praises of my people, not the mocking, cheap, sarcastic use of my name. You see, when we live the ten, 
It's not that we never ever say things wrong and we never have to go back and make it right. Of course we will. This side of heaven, God is going to be correcting all of us on the things that come out of our mouth. And we need to get better and better at that. But God says, please, please listen to this. Out of our intimate relationship together, you should see my name as something other than an expletive that you use. Remember, don't refer to me with empty words. It's like forgery, like these seven sons did in the book of Acts, when they used somebody else's name to get what they wanted. They saw what Paul was doing and the attention he had in his ministry, and they thought if we could refer to Paul's God and we could say this in Jesus' name, maybe we would have the respect of the community, so we're going to forge as if we are Christ followers, and we're going to do this in Jesus' name, and we had nothing to do with Jesus to begin with. One author puts it this way, there's a lot of spiritual forgers in the world who misuse God's name by saying, God told me so. I believe that God speaks to us. He has spoken to me many times, and I believe he can speak to you. But let's be careful when we say that God has told us. When God has told you, then say that. But when we're not sure, then say that too. Let's not blame God for our lost homework. Let's not blame God for being forgetful. Let's not blame God for something that God hasn't told us. His name is holy. The way we talk is important. What does using God's name in vain do? Finally, here, number six, it clarifies our intent. Titus 3, 3 through 5. At one time, we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice. And envy, being hated and hating one another. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, He saved us through the washing and rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. Friends, let's just get right down and be honest. The world is full of theories that contradict God's Word. And we need to say, I am going to teach the Ten Commandments as the way I'm going to live. It talks about our intent of who we are. It clarifies our intent. It's not about you having a perfect vocabulary, but it's about you having a perfect and pure heart to say, the God that I speak of is one that I'm serious about. 